Hello and welcome to this episode of American Scientist podcast series. I'm Fenella Saunders, managing editor of the magazine. Have you ever wondered whether animals have personalities the way people do? In this installment, Andy C., a professor of ecology at the University of California at Davis, told me about his research showing that traits, such as an individual's level of aggressiveness versus passivity, can have implications for an individual's survival, as well as the well-being of its surrounding group. Dr. C. says his work on insects even has implications for understanding how human behaviors are mediated by personality. There has been this uh, big interest over the last decade or so in animal personalities, taken straight from the human concept of personality, where we're quite familiar with the fact that different people have relatively consistent ways in which they do things, where some people are more bold, others are more shy and cautious. Every animal that we've looked at, they vary in their aggressiveness, sociability, and tendency to explore new conditions that they haven't seen before. Even very simple animals like snails, fish, insects, and even paramecium seem to show individual differences in how they do the things that they do. How do we actually quantify and test for the personality of an animal? We essentially do that by having standardized situations that often might be kind of scary, like whether it's a bird or a fish or a small mammal or an insect, we put them into a new arena that they've never been in before, and we often give them a place where they can go hide. Invariably, they go sit in the hiding place first, but we quantify how long does it take them to come out, how much do they explore around, and what do they do. Individuals differ in what they do. When you test the same individuals over two, three, four times, they show consistent differences. Fish in that school seem sociable. They like to be in a group with other fish. The standard assay where you put them in an aquarium, on one side they have a small school of fish. Repeatedly, some individuals really want to hang out with their buddies, but others don't seem to care. And others even go to the other side of the tank. We score that as their relative sociability. What we've actually seen is highly variable across different studies with different animals, but animals often do exhibit a personality that for some of these short-lived animals, say little fish, that only live for a few months, you can test them throughout their whole life. It turns out that for humans, we are only moderately stable. When people have gotten data, which is tracking people over 50 years of their lives and redoing personality assays, people's personalities are not that stable. Of interest to a lot of people is that there's a reasonable evidence that the most unstable period in personality is people in their 20s. People in their 20s often figure out that their personality is not working so well, <laughs> and they actively try to become more extroverted because being an introvert doesn't seem to be doing so well. Personality is only moderately stable in most species. As it turns out in animal studies, now we've finally gotten to where we are willing to tackle the fascinating complexities that having a personality that is for social behaviors, what you actually do and how well it works for you depends on the social context. The mix of personalities in a group can have a big effect on what you actually do, which also opens up the importance of social situation choice. How well your personality does depends on the group mix that you're in, in which case you should be smart enough to try to pick uh, social environments that are a better fit for your personality. Those are the kinds of issues we're finding with animals. Some personalities do better than others, depending on the mix of environments. 
And even simple animals like insects are showing a tendency to be reasonably good at choosing environments that are a better fit for their personality. One important thing about personality for animals, including humans, is it does have big effects on your fitness, on your survival and reproduction. Individuals might have a relatively consistent personality, even across various social contexts or ecological contexts. Animals invariably do respond that exactly how aggressive or active or bold they are depends on how dangerous is it. What is the social environment? Nonetheless, the personality context has some carryover consistency. Having a personality means some environments you don't do well. You end up doing things that are almost overtly stupid because of your personality. Individuals, including humans, who have a bold personality are doing things that are rashly, unnecessarily bold, taking more risks than they should. And individuals that are very shy and cautious miss out on opportunities that they could have had. With the mating context, what we have found and quantified in a bug, the water strider, quite often there are males out there. They are furiously trying to mate with everything they see, including things that are not appropriate mating partners. Some of these water striders are jumping on every female and trying to mate with them, jumping on males trying to separate pairs, trying to mate with the other species, and even trying to mate with dead insects that they should try to eat. We refer to them as these hyper-aggressive males. They are so out of control that they totally disrupt the social system for everybody else that's in that pool. Whatever personality you are, there are situations where you don't do so well, as opposed to being infinitely flexible, where no matter what the situation is, you have no sign of a personality, you always do the right thing. That doesn't seem to be the norm. The personality world has had some new insights on why some species might be more invasive than others and how the overall invasion dynamics might work. When animals spread to new places, it's not a random individual. In more simple terms, it's just phenotype dependent. It depends on something about who they are and what they're like. We're looking at the fact that it's personality dependent. Some examples are finding it's more bold, aggressive type individuals. Those are the ones that are not afraid to move out into the rest of the world. It often does seem to be the case that the invaders in a new place that are pests are actually even more bold and aggressive than that same species was at home where they're not pests. How much might that basic concept apply to how invasions work for other species? My own lab worked on mosquito fish, which are small fish. They are among the major invasive pests in the world. They get to be in massively high numbers. And when we studied uh, the invasion dynamics of these mosquito fish, we found that the individuals that are more likely to leave and colonize new places tend to depend on how sociable they were. The sociability assay is where we put them in a tank and we ask, do they like to hang out with a school that is next to the tank or not? Who disperses? And actually, who even just does well in the place they're at depends on how sociable they are in a density-dependent way. When the number of fish is small, the asocial individuals do well and low density, whereas social individuals that prefer a big school don't do well in small groups on low density. But when there's high density crowded conditions, the social ones are fine, but the asocial ones don't like, by definition, crowded conditions and they leave. What appears to be the invasion dynamics is 
at home, it's crowded, which is very common for mosquito fish. The ones that leave are the more asocial ones. They're the ones that tend to colonize new places, and that's okay because it's low density initially, but they do well. After there are some asocials and the population starts to grow, then that is starting to be higher density that allows socials to join. Or you know it's too crowded again and the asocials don't like it and they leave. There's a lot of variation in how well animals are responding behaviorally. When new things happen, like a new predator comes into your world, or there's a new food, some respond well and realize this is a new predator, I got to avoid it, or this is new food, I can eat it and really do well, or it's a new habitat and I could move in. Some do and others don't. In this modern world where lots of animals are doing badly, we can tell it's because they have been what we call ecologically trapped. That's this phenomenon where they have evolved a cue response system. When you see or smell this set of cues, you realize that's danger, I better run away. But when I see or smell this, that's good food or a good place to go. So I go there and I try to eat it. A problem in the modern world often is animals don't realize, but that cue response system now is stupid because the rules have changed. Male jewel beetles were seen in large numbers attempting to mate with beer bottles. What the biologists figured out is because they use a certain set of simple cues as to what is a female and I should try to mate with it. Females are cylindrically shaped, hard, brown, and have a little pebbly texture. When given a choice, they prefer the bigger ones. The bigger, the better. And some of the beer bottles are brown, hard, cylindrically shaped, and pebbly textured. It was a serious enough problem that the population was actually declining until the biologist alerted the beer company and they actually changed the shape of their bottles and the color. Then the beetles stopped trying to mate with those beer bottles and the population recovered. These cues used to mean one thing, but in the modern world, the cue response adaptiveness is no longer there and animals do something inappropriate. For humans, the example that actually you hear is why people have been overeating. In the past, we mostly evolved in environments where there wasn't enough energy. And it really was important for you to crave and really eat stuff that has high energy content. We evolved to have that cue response system. But in the modern world, there's so much of it. And in fact, companies are trying to sell it to us. We fall into the trap, overeat, and have all sorts of health problems. And that would be, in terms of its general concept, kind of the same thing as these male beetles mating with beer bottles. This podcast was recorded and edited by American Scientist Web Managing Editor Katie Lee Corder. The music is Spot by Ardent Octopus, courtesy of Mevios Music Alley. American Scientist is published by Sigma Xi, the Scientific Research Society. Thanks for listening. <laughs>